YouTube announces policies that aim to crack down on AI-created content while also working with musicians to create AI versions of their voices. OpenAI puts ChatGPT Plus subscriptions on hold, and more Americans are getting their news on TikTok. We're going to talk about these stories and more on this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me once again as guest co-host is Jeremy Duvall, a contributor to InfoWorld and founder of 7Factor Software. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? And we also have Chris, the guy behind the monitors. Hello, Chris. Hey, what's up? All right. Let's jump right into this YouTube thing. There's there's several different angles here that I wanted to chat about. But uh, the first big one was that YouTube has teamed up with music artists, including John Legend and Sia, to offer AI-generated versions of their singing voice as soundtracks for creator videos. The Google-owned platform is using a music generation model created by the search company's AI unit to produce unique 30-second clips in a limited trial. Uh, I would run these nine artists. I know only like three of them. So uh, Demi Lovato, I know of her, John Legend, Sia uh, and T-Pain. But then there's some other ones. And I, and I feel like I'm going to butcher their names. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to do, do you know who well, Alec Benjamin, um, Charlie Puth, I think Charlie XCX. OK, uh, Troy Sivan and Papoose. I've never heard of Papoose. So anyway, but I'm also an old guy. So YouTube said the experiment called Dream Track had been opened up to a small group of U.S. creators using its shorts feature, uh, which is their answer to TikTok. And the voice instrumentation and lyrics in the Dream Track experiment are all AI generated. YouTube has limited access to the tool to about 100 shorts creators and creatives in the U.S., but shorts users can then deploy and remix the tracks themselves once it appears by the use this sound and cut this video. So what's interesting about this is that they're embracing AI with certain singers. So they've probably licensed this with the singers, but at the same time, they're also cracking down on other companies or other creators that might use a separate platform to create AI generated voices of, um, of artists. That just seems like they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah. Jeremy, what do you think? Do you, like, I agree. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to think of this, honestly. I think this is another one of those strange new frontiers that we're going to walk into because as an artist, the fact that I can sell my voice and then people can do whatever they want with it, I don't know, that kind of, to me, that defeats the entire purpose of being an artist. It kind of feels like a money grab, yeah. honestly. And I grew up on like Led Zeppelin and Metallica and Foo Fighters. So I'm absolutely not. I don't know any of those people <laughs> other than T-Pain because I would download the little app and kind of do the whole autocorrect thing. Yep. Um, which it's why would T-Pain need an AI? You just buy an autocorrect app and you have like, <laughs> yeah. T-Pain. I mean, right? royalty fees already exist, right? Anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of similar, but you're in essence selling your whole entire voice. Right. Right. So. I, I, I just I just feel like this is headed for some kind of lawsuit because it feels like Google is and YouTube are are going to force creators to use their tool if they want to create AI generated music and any third party company that wants to, 
you could you could you could work with them, but then you wouldn't be able to put it on YouTube because YouTube will have an algorithm that's going to be searching out for this stuff. Like at the same time this week, you know, they 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 rolled out new rules for AI content, including a requirement that creators reveal whether they've used generative artificial intelligence to make realistic looking videos. Now, this might be different from the music part. Um because this could be, I think that they're trying to stop deep fakes with these types of, yeah. of policies. Um, but it, it, it still feels like they're not, they're not meshing to get together correctly. And like, and it's almost right. like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Um, and, and whenever you get into a situation like that, like lawyers are going to, are going to swarm all over this. It feels like, um, and unless we can get some kind of copyright ruling or legislation and who knows when that's going to yeah, happen. It, it almost seems like the the big companies want to capitalize on AI and then make a lot of laws and rules for the little people <laughs> so that we can't <laughs> do the same thing. Right, you right. Know? I don't well, know. That's what it looks like to me. I, well, I don't know. again, I this, this this reminds me of some of the early days of of rap music and hip hop where they were taking samples of of other artists uh, music and then and then, you know, calling it fair use or remixing or whatever they want to do. It's just another example of this. And I'm sure at some point everybody got paid, but it wasn't yes, until you saw, did. you know, lawsuits and things like that. Like, isn't Sting making a lot of money from that? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to show how, how old and, and <laughs> non hip I am, but someone used a sample of uh, every breath you take yeah. in a song about Biggie, but I can't remember who the singer was. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember. I, I also worked on um, some uh, sharing software for people that co-write si co-write songs. So I know a little bit about yeah. the industry. I've spent a little bit of time in that, and people did eventually get paid for sampling. And sampling is a very well known thing, right? Uh, out there, like it's huge in the R and B and hip hop community to use samples. Um, and there were several pretty prominent lawsuits over the use of a specific sample in a specific song. And they finally figured it out and got it right. And I think that's a great sort of analog. This is sort of the next level of that, um, yeah. except it still kind of feels like you're defeating the entire purpose of being an artist if you're selling your voice. And again, this is a hot take, so yeah. feel free to ignore me. Um, but if I'm out there making music and my brand is the uniqueness around my music, I want people to notice me for my creativity and my music, not the fact that I have a specific voice or a specific, you know, uh, persona that you can then copy paste across 15 or 20 different YouTube shorts for, you know, a low, low fee of 1990. Yeah. You'd think that the artists would also be want, want to let people know about their songwriting ability and their music creation ability and that creativity. Right. It, it feels weird that someone like John legend and Sia would want other people to create music. If it sounds like Sia or sounds like John legend, it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, unless they're thinking that they need to get ahead of it and get money for it yeah. at some point, because maybe the wild West won't give them the money. If, if everybody's creating all these other things, I'd rather have YouTube just using their algorithms to stop the other stuff rather than force people to use one of their own tools. Cause I'm, you know, this deal, I'm pr pretty sure that John legend is not getting all of the money for people right. to use his voice. I'm sure Google is taking their cut and that just seems very, very fishy. It's yeah, it's no shorts, no, no secret in that industry that getting paid is tough, right? Having worked there and, and yeah. the evil publishing companies tend to take giant cuts and you look at like mechanical royalties with Spotify and stuff like that. It, it can get really uh, abusive to the artist. So I could certainly see them saying, well, let's just go ahead and get on the ground floor 
uh, because we don't have a choice anyway. Right. You know, someone can copy my voice by feeding my songs into an AI. So it's going to happen anyway. So let's go ahead and make that decision and try and get in on the ground floor to maybe set some better standards initially. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't know. This is one of those really like interesting yet destructive consequences of ai that we have yet to figure and, out and it, and it feels like too that the reason they're they're trialing this is just for allowing creators to to make youtube shorts out of it and yeah that's another whole issue is like i love the youtube shorts that that we create from this show um, only ours well, because we're at least short. It's, it's, it's horrible. Well, at least we're <laughs> trying to be informative and we try to make a point in 30 seconds but, you know, the, the, I, I saw the sample, one of the samples that they used and they had, it was, you type in a text prompt, like write a song about a sunset and then you pick whatever voice it was. Maybe it was John Legend or maybe it was someone else. Um, and then the AI makes this song and it sounds horrible because it's all, you know, electronica. It's always like, wah, wah, wah. it's like all that crap. And then, and then, then someone uses it and you, and that becomes the audio for somebody just walking into the beach on a sunset. It's like, is this really what we think of content now? It's just random music and random B-roll. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's what, and that's what is going to go viral more than anything, you know, educational or, or entertaining or, um, my shorts, for example. <laughs> it's going to get worse. I'm just it's jealous. It's TikTok generation. You know, uh, it's going to get worse. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that later on in the show. The, uh, the preview. The, yeah. It's a preview of how we feel about TikTok. All right. Let's move on to the, our, our next uh, category of, of, of AI stories. Microsoft has launched its big, um, basically, they're rebranding Bing Chat to the Copilot brand. Uh, and, and apparently, they're now competing with ChatGPT. I think the early versions, they were thinking about going against Google, but now they're actually recognizing that maybe ChatGPT is their big competitor. Um, so they've now, uh, so less than a year after it launched the ChatGPT interface within Bing, it's dropping the Bing Chat branding and moving to Copilot, which is now the new name for everything that, that Microsoft is doing. Um, initially, they talked up the Google search com- competition for its AI ambitions earlier this year, but now it looks like it has its set sight on ChatGPT instead. The Bing Chat rebranding comes just one uh, just days after OpenAI revealed 100 million people are using ChatGPT on a weekly basis, um, and they've got this weird partnership where Microsoft has invested a lot of money into OpenAI, um, but then while they're they're still trying to compete with the same customers. Uh, we did a show with Preston Growler uh, a few episodes ago where we were talking about Copilot for Windows, and and even then he he asked the copilot for windows what its name was and it said it was bing chat i was like no don't call me copilot for windows i am bing chat and so there was confusion even within the own ai about who who this thing was or what this thing was um so i think they finally just said look we love the name copilot we're just going to put that on everything and maybe maybe it's just because bing chat was just like people that still had a negative connotation connotation about bing um any any thoughts jeremy on this well, what do you do when your product is terrible? You just rename it and keep exactly. going. Coke Classic, right? Coke, yeah, exactly. Coca-Cola Classic versus New Coke or whatever, whenever that went down. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all, I don't, I don't understand it. And the thing that I think is most interesting is that Microsoft is claiming to compete with a company that they invested an absurd amount of money into. Yeah. Like, I don't understand, I don't quite understand their line of reasoning there. I'd, I'd like to be in the boardroom when they were discussing that that move. 
Yeah, it's so, yeah, like, but even, listen to the confusing parts here now. Uh, all right, Copilot is now the free version of its AI chatbot with Copilot for Microsoft 365, which used to be Microsoft 365 Copilot, is now the paid option. Uh, the free version of Copilot will still be accessible in Bing and Windows, but it will also have its own dedicated domain over at copilot.microsoft.com, much like ChatGPT. Business users will sign into Copilot with an Entra ID. I don't even know what that is. Uh, yeah, while, consu- while consumers will need a Microsoft account to access the free Copilot service. <sighs> so, Copi- they, so they rebranded username. The, the, <laughs> Essentially. I don't know what. The, yeah. I, I mean, right, so they're, they're on the rebranding the, train. Yeah, it, you know, so you mentioned you mentioned that earlier, Jeremy. That just reminds me of like Comcast when it realized it was such a horrible brand. They just said, "Well, we're now Xfinity." Yeah, let's just change the name. Change if, name. So we're an Office three six five company, and so I'll log into like that Microsoft admin dashboard and instantly become completely confused with what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, and then you look at like the app section, and there's literally I think like a thousand plus things that you can choose to use. This is not good for Microsoft, right? It's it's like they have too many rebrands and too many sort of directional. It's like back when I was working on the Kin, like, again, I'm going to out myself. Uh, Microsoft bought my previous company, went for Danger for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they bought us and put us into this project called Project Pink. And Project Pink was designed to build a feature phone in the era of smartphones. That was a smart move already. Um, <laughs> that was... Targeted at tweens. I kid you not. That was somebody's bright idea is let's build a phone for tweens that doesn't have an app store, doesn't have the ability to download music. What do tweens like to do? Listen to music and buy games. Like they did all of these things in an attempt to just recreate this product that had absolutely no market with absolutely no appeal to anyone anywhere. So I feel like somebody in product over there is just they're just throwing things at the wall and saying let's see if something sticks i mean that can work google's done that before yeah but it's it it, it hurts me to to try and scroll through their list of things they they sell you well well the whole ai thing from microsoft feels like they're throwing everything against the wall and that's why we're getting you know ai will write your email for you and i AI, ai will summarize this they're just taking all the apps that they currently have and then and then there was probably a meeting yeah. with all of the product managers for whatever product product they had and then go and they said well what can we do to get ai involved into your product and someone said well i'll have it write its email and uh, oh exactly. well, i'll build a powerpoint for you and uh, yeah do, do you know what i think the best application of ai ha- is that i've seen so far and, and and maybe you saw this but does anybody anybody use instacart uh, uh I, I i have not used it i still actually go to the grocery store yeah okay well but, yes I, I, okay I'm like, <laughs> I, okay, and, and I'm not going to make go fun of you, Jeremy, for, for using Instacart, but I know what it is. Yes, you can totally make fun of me. It's all good because I love it. Um, <laughs> but Instacart in the search bar has added the AI capability for you to type in what you want. So you can say, I would like a, you know, shrimp, um, you know, whatever dinner. And it will literally figure out which stores near you can provide the ingredients of a pretty decent recipe. It's okay. probably the only application of AI I've seen lately that makes me genuinely excited. That that would actually come in handy. Yeah. Well, does yeah. It, so it lists out all the ingredients, what you need to make the dish. So it's looking for, dish. so it looks for a recipe and then says that you need X, yes. X and X to make this. Huh. Correct. And then, now there's obviously ways that they can kind of, you know, slight you there because they could do promotions and have people pay for promotions, but that's pretty smart if you think about yeah. it, right? 
maybe they paid Gordon Ramsay for his recipe, you know, for, for shrimp pasta. And then, you know, they have certain brands that pay to be promoted through, through the recipe, but not to degrade the whole conversation, but speaking of throwing things against the wall and sticking, (laughs) I think this is one of those sort of novel applications of AI that will be useful down the road. When people think about it critically and they don't do what Microsoft's doing here, which is let's just call it Copilot and rebrand it and just throw all of it into every app you have when it's just, it's fatigue. It's AI fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. And because, again, there was two sides of this generative AI. There was generative AI with search to help you find things. If, if you're looking for an answer to a question, like find me a recipe. And, and that's why the search engines went to it. But then there was also that creative side about, hey, create something for me. Um, give right. me a list of names. Give me a bunch of jokes. Write a poem in, you know, in the style of, of Abraham Lincoln or Gettysburg Address as if it was written by Seinfeld. I mean, there were all those examples. So it's almost like you had a technology that could almost do too much. And, and I'm not even talking about the coding then. Like there was right. all of these different things and now people are trying to like grab different parts of it and go, all right, what can I use it for and make, make my old technology more exciting. And for sure, you know, again, I haven't seen this lately, but I, I want to go into a grocery store maybe that I do, I'm not familiar with. And if, and if, and if I'm looking for a specific item, I want to know what aisle it's in. And I still right, haven't, yeah. I've used apps for a bunch of these grocery stores and they still don't let, do that. They still don't let you know where that, the only one that's really good is Home Depot. Have you, have you Home used? Home Depot's great. The I Home actually De- worked on that. App. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> good. Awesome. I'm, I'm so glad I'm giving great. you a plug for this, Jeremy. Like you use the app, you type in, I go, I need a plunger. <laughs> where yeah, the hell do I find the plunger? And, and it tells me yeah. what aisle it's in. And then it even tells you what bay number it is now. Yeah. Um, Target's that pretty was good really too. really hard. By yeah. the way, I can't talk much about it, but that problem was really difficult to solve, right? From a supply chain and logistics perspective. How do I make sure that it's in this store, in that aisle, in that bay? And it's a credit to Home Depot for being very smart about yeah. how their supply chain works. It's like it's it's almost like the uh the floor all the Home Depot floor models have to be very similar to one another. You know what I mean? But they're they not do. but they're yeah. not, yeah. which is what makes that app so, no, I mean like, so good. Like, no, I mean like the shelving layout, right? Like aisle this, bay this. So you have to use the same type of racks. You know what I mean? Like stock. Yeah, they spend racks. a lot of money on that. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of consulting firms that help. And there's probably that. a lot of inventory control things that to make sure that they still have it. But the right. Target app does the same thing and you start noticing um, not only it's the first time I've noticed that Target has aisle numbers. Is because because of the app, I think. But grocery stores still, you know, the grocery store that I go to, it's a, it's a pretty big yeah, chain they, they in the have, Northeast. They, they still have numbers. they they have they yeah. have aisle numbers, but right. within like aisle nine, you might get toilet paper, uh, paper towels. Where do you shop? Uh, Stationery. Where do I shop? I shop at a, a grocery store called Market Thirty Two, which is a Price Chopper brand, which was all Market Thirty Two. I've yeah, never it's heard Northeast. of that. It's 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 big in the Northeast in like New York and I've never heard of that. I mean, there's Market Basket, but well, Market it's, it's, 32. It's Price Chopper, but then they rebranded again, probably for our the reasons that we were talking it about It sounds earlier. like an Area 51 kind no, of... Uh, let's not get into that, but anyway. <laughs> but they're a pretty technically savvy company, but they have yet to allow me to find where, you know, a certain brand of, of mustard that my wife is looking for when she sends me to the store. I think that's the problem is that I don't know where this particular mustard is. Um, we have Kroger in the Southeast and they have an app that does that for you. So okay. I'm proud, so to, some, proud to state. So some chains are better it. than others, I guess is the answer. <laughs> All right. So back to Microsoft. 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm again, you, you, if you see this computer here, this is a Mac. So, um, I don't have to suffer through a lot of these AI spaghetti throwing against the wall experiments that they're doing. Um, except for on my, the one, uh, windows machine I have at home, but I haven't, I don't even know if I've got the copilot for windows on that system yet. It is a windows 11 machine. So I'm assuming I'm going to have it at some point, but again, I'm, I'm more interested in just playing games on that computer. So yeah, me too. It's All my right. Diablo, dedicated Diablo 4 machine. Are you you're still playing Diablo 4? I mean, yeah, why not? <laughs> Season 2 was really good and okay. they did a lot of a lot of things to try and make up to the community. Yeah. It's still boring at okay. a certain point, but hey, you know, whatever. I've moved on. I'm still trying to get through Baldur's Gate 3. So that Thanks. one's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So um, th- another story I want to talk about th- uh, this week was uh, Humane officially launched their AI pin, which is an open AI powered wearable device. After months of demos and hints about what the AI powered future of gadgets might look like, Humane finally took the wraps off of its device, the AI pin. Do you want to scroll up there, Chris? Yeah, just to, so people can see what that. So it's it. So. The device is a $700 wearable in two parts, a square device and a battery pack that magnetically attaches to your clothes or other services. In addition to that price, there's a $24 monthly fee for a subscription, which gets you a phone number and data coverage through T-Mobile's network. Uh, The company told Wired Magazine the device will start shipping in early 2024 and that pre-orders are now available. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. $700. Yep. $25 a month? Yep. What? And for this little thing like yeah i get ai is in it yeah that's cool you gotta get that arr man all right so what? you can you control it through a combination of voice control a camera gestures and a small built-in projector the pin itself weighs about 34 grams uh, and the battery booster adds another 20 grams and the camera can take 13 megapixel photos and will capture video uh, after a software update i I, w- I would buy it if they put it in glasses that way I can technology. make pretend I'm Tony Stark with okay. Jarvis, okay? Yeah. That, yeah. That's about it. Well, But for that, I mean, come on. There, Meta has something like that with their, their Ray-Ban glasses. Right, Something right. like that. I mean, not, even if they did come out, you know, come out with I, something like that, I probably still wouldn't I think it. what you have to do oh. here is you have to watch the video. I, I guess this, this company came out and they did a TED Talk, like maybe last year sometime, and that they were explaining what it is. And the first thought I had was the Star Trek communicator where yeah. you, you tap something on your chest and then it, it oh, goes, yeah, I've, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah I've seen that. And then, yeah. so if you've got a call coming in, it'll, it'll do something. And then, and then it has a little projector so you can see who's calling it, You just sort of kind of take it out and it, and it flashes on your hand. Um, and then you're like, Oh, Hey, Hey, uh, Tony Stark or Robert Downey Jr. Just walk by me, take a picture of it. Kind of a thing. Like, I guess that's what I would use the photo for. Um, and, and, and of course it, it it's almost resembles a iPhone esque gadget. It, like it, if you look at, we're playing the video right now. They're yeah. Doing like a demo of it. It looks like, uh, an iPod nano. Remember how small those yeah. nanos were? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So again, it's, it's ambitious. It's an interesting idea. Get rid of, you know, the big displays. I think, again, we're going to be in a world where people are coming up with, how do I get all of the functionality of AI into a smaller standalone device? Um, And I think a lot of these companies are just not going to succeed because it's going to be on our phone at some point down the road. Well, it almost seems novelty, right? It's, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Like for a very niche, very niche audience. No. 
Can we take a second to state that all of this could be done without the AI buzzword? You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, like yeah. there have been wearables like this that have been around for a long time. Yeah. And, and I feel like this is another company taking advantage of the current buzzword of the week. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure there's some specialized machine learning uh, like algorithms inside the device itself that perhaps makes, you know, speech better, which is one of the things that um, newer large language models and, and sort of newer, newer AI techniques are making speech to text and understanding what you're saying a lot better because you can speak more naturally to the device and the device understands in its own little brain, its little neural network, it figures out what you're trying to say. But honestly, like just putting AI on this thing, like there's stuff like this that I worked on when I was in school that has already been around. So yeah. to me, it's just another company trying to say, look at what AI has done, when in reality, you're yeah. just rebranding an idea that's been around for years in the research circles. I mean, uh, honestly, what I see happening here is this company will get bought up by Apple. Then they'll integrate this into their Apple watches or for a sure. smartwatch company or something. They'll buy yeah, it, I could, it. I could definitely just... see this technology being on a, on, on a watch versus having to put something on your shirt or your jacket maybe i don't know why it's there unless it it, it needs to be there um but it's also easy to do this i don't know if you could see me doing this jeremy like just doing it you know doing that <laughs> yeah and then talking to it like it's a you want to go really old school dick tracy you know talking watches yeah. like two-way speaker yeah. phones i mean that's that's what a lot of apple watch stuff was doing in in, in you know technically yeah um but, but 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 no, I th I think you're 100 percent right in what you're saying, Jeremy. That they're just taking advantage of the AI name because they're just riding the wave. Everyone's going to be riding the AI wave for a couple of years. Well, and then. yeah, and it's interesting to see that there are companies trying to develop a standalone AI device, given the the excitement around AI yes. and probably the funding. If you say that you've got AI of whatever, right? Um, there are probably some hooks into ChatGPT or some other open source. GPT or, or you know a large language model out there, um, but again, again, as I've as we've seen from the evolution of most consumer devices, the the consumer only wants a you know a number of devices, and eventually that stuff gets put into a phone or you know yeah. it's going to be phone, laptop, and that's about it. Like you know tablets, yes, niche markets will will use tablets. A niche market might use this. I remember remember the demo conference. Again, I'm on a rant, a rant, uh, uh, a rant here. Well, not really a rant, but I'm rambling. There was a sh <laughs> remember the show demo. I mean, we have a show called Demo, but there was an event, and there was this company that came out with a voice communication badge, and it was very much like it's the Star Trek communicator, and you tap a button, and then you could talk to other people in your network that are also have this badge, and it was adopted by many hospitals. Mm -hmm. uh, most of their first customers were nurses in the ER or nurses on a, on a floor. They could tap it and then they could call another nurse or, or the, the central hub and basically say, hey, I need something here or, you know, where are you? And I'll go get this. And it was this voice to voice communication system. And that's all it did. And it did it pretty well because enough. And I don't know if they still exist anywhere. Um, maybe they all, and again, this may have been before smartphones and then everyone now just probably just carries a smartphone around and then they can text each other and right. use all those. That's the Metro PCS tap to talk stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Remember, yeah. Remember when the walkie talkies that we used to have yeah, it was basically, same thing. Same idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everything old eventually becomes new and we put AI Perfect. on it. 
Exactly. You just put AI on it. We solved. We solved all these problems. All right. So speaking <laughs> speaking of open AI, this is this is my, this is this was my nightmare. Uh, OpenAI has blocked new ChatGPT Plus subscriptions, uh, and, and, and apparently it also created a black market for selling existing accounts. Um, I'm not so worried about the second part because they'll figure all that stuff out, but I thought it was real. So, okay. So last week, OpenAI held its big developer conference, and they announced all this new stuff, and everyone got excited about chat gpt plus and i think we even talked about it on the show i was like you know i'm thinking of taking all of my other subscriptions and canceling them and then i'm going to pay the 20 bucks a month for chat gpt plus so this tuesday this past tuesday i went and did this i canceled my 11 labs account because i wasn't really using it for the voice cloning i canceled my mid-journey account i go to chat gpt i go sign me up and it says sorry there's a wait list so they've they've closed off any new subscriptions and I've never ever heard of a company doing this before that was not in some kind of beta. Like I don't understand so Jeremy help me out. Why why do you think they did this? Is it because they had such a flood of people coming and and signing up and they were afraid that they wouldn't be able to handle the growth of all of these new accounts of people doing all this stuff and that would degrade the service and then people would start canceling? Yeah, what was the name of the Pokemon AR thing? Pokemon Go. That? Go, same yeah. problem. They had the same issue where they they had this massive number of of demand to join up to join up sign up for the platform, and it caused their login servers to just completely fall over. So, in, in order to prevent a bad experience and to make people angry, they turned off logins until they were able to process a certain yeah. number of people, and then they kind of throttled them in the door. The un the, the unfortunate consequence of this is that you do create a black market, right? You create supply and demand. Uh, the demand is much higher than the supply. So smart entrepreneurial people are going to go get an account and sell it on eBay for 50 bucks, right? Same thing happened back in the PlayStation days when you'd stay in it. I don't know if you guys ever stood in line for a PlayStation. Well, I remember the um, nightmare of trying to get a PS5 from two I years totally ago. I totally have stood in line for PlayStations. And it's like, it is, it, you. a lot of people will take those and turn around and sell them on eBay for like three times the price. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, that's but but this seems very weird for a premium service that that you're paying. You know, you've got willing customers willing to pay you twenty dollars a month, and you're turning them away, and and because you're afraid that that their service might be slow, why not just say, yeah, you can have it, but understand that we've gotten so many subscriptions that your service initially might be slow until we can yeah. get more server space. And this is a company that that you know Microsoft gave them thirteen billion dollars. Yeah, it feels weird that like you you know announce this and launch it, you you get this massive customers, and then you're like, well, sorry, we can't give you the thing that we've just been promising you. Yeah, I think maybe it is learning from the Pokemon Go's of the world, but I, I see where you're taught where you're coming from, and it yeah. makes perfect sense. If I if I were there on their engineering team, I would probably I don't know if I would have made the same decision. Because if you're hosted in cloud, for example, and I do believe that they're hosted in cloud, I don't think they're on their own machines. Yeah. Um, if you're hosted in cloud, the elasticity of the cloud is amazing. Unless you built your software in such a way that it's completely unwieldy and impossible to scale, or there's some special artifact of how the models are trained, where I need to have one model homed per machine, and it takes like days to train one model on one machine and you know you literally have to plan ahead and train 50 brand new models and pay for that i could see a world where perhaps that is the corner they were backed into 
But in the world of cloud and the age of scalability basically coming for free, it, it kind of does make me a little curious as to why they made that choice. Yeah. And I think that, so again, I'm on a wait list. I haven't heard back from them. And this is now four days later. I think I was only one day late when they shut it off. Um, so I think they shut it off on Monday and I tried to get it on Tuesday or I shut it or they shut it down on Tuesday and I tried to get it on Wednesday. But it's been a couple of days yeah. and I haven't gotten on the list. And it just feels like those early days of beta where you did sign up. For, and I could understand those the early days of when you're in a beta, you, you want to limit the number of users you have. But to do this for a service that has been out there for, you know, six months, that's when they debut ChatGPT+. Just feels very weird, and, and it's already leaving a sour taste in my mouth, and I haven't even given them given them any money yet. Yeah, it has to have something to do. Either they're doing it wrong, which you know, <laughs> which I don't think they are. They're wrong, sorry, yeah. Yeah. You lost out on all that money, or or there is some strange artifact of scaling machine learning that none of us truly understands. Because remember, this is the only company that scaled machine learning to this degree. Right. Um, right. We've all done our little Amazon SageMaker models and sort of the BI side of many large enterprises has been doing, you know, model building and model training and execution to solve business problems for a very long time. But it's not really been at the scale of all of human existence, right, where anybody can sign up for one of these. So I, I would imagine the only excuse that I could accept is that scaling AI is very difficult. And I would love to see a white paper on that because nobody's done it. Yeah. Right. This is a brand new frontier. But but yeah, it definitely leaves a bad taste in the mouth of the consumer. Yeah, sure. it, it's weird, too, because ChatGPT has, has had that free version. Uh, which we, we joke about it here. We call it the free crappy version of yeah. ChatGPT. And when you try to do a question there, if, if you're during the working week, you get a little message saying, look, th this may take a while because, you know, our server capacity is at its limit. And you understand that going in because, again, you're not yeah. paying anything. Maybe it's because my expectations of a paying customer would be higher, but I still think I'd be able to be willing to accept a slower system than maybe they had two or three weeks ago. Um, but I don't yeah. know because I'm, you know, I, I just feel it's weird that I've, I've got like, you know, a, a bunch of cash in my fist going, I'm willing to pay you for this. And you, and you come back and say, well, no, not yet. Or you have to wait. That's a fair point. I mean, it, it's software. It's not even it's like, we're not talking playstations either. We're not talking hardware with limited supply, right? Like isn't, doesn't, the cloud give us unlimited supply of, or almost unlimited supply of this stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being ignorant about all of those things. Like you were saying, like there's probably a scaling problem that they, that they haven't figured out yet. I, I hope they tell us one day, right? Cause that, <laughs> that I think is, is very good information for the industry to have in general is how, cause again, nobody scaled AI before or yeah, maybe they're just lazy. <laughs> they're not spend enough money on servers, you know? <laughs> You know, they've gotten $13 billion and they're, they're busy. Like we're good. You know, we're fine. We're Let's good. Just chill. <laughs> All right, moving Let's on. on our Scrooge McDuck mountain of gold <laughs> coins. You know? Right. Uh, okay, so Apple announced this week that its iPhones will support RCS. Uh, what's that RCS messaging standard? You know what it stands for? I do not, actually. Yeah, I'm just I seeing an, RCS. I'm an iPhone guy. <laughs> All right, so this whole blue versus green bubble debate may be finally winding down. Apple says that in 2024, the iPhone will add support for RCS messaging, which is the standard used by most Android phones, so that when you're in a text group chat with people and one of them has an Android phone, I'm looking at you, Chris, uh, <laughs> you get a green bubble and I get a blue bubble. I, I can't remember who gets what, but um, apparently this is a big deal if you're a teenager. 
Um, there have been articles written about teenagers that shun Android users in group text because everyone what? loves. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves the blue messages. Uh, and then when a green one shows up, you know, people are like, oh, you're on an Android phone. It, it does mean that something there are some things that Android users can't do like from from the iMessage part of it. I'm trying to figure out. I've got one group chat where you can't do tap backs, right? You can't like tap like or like I, we have a right. guy that's in our little group chat from my high school friends that's an Android person. Yeah. And every time we like something, it actually sends a whole text message to the group that says, you know, so and so liked. And then it just says the whole message again. Right. And I think that there's some like GIFs and stickers that you can't use. I don't know. I mean, we've get, yeah. you know, I've got a bunch of, of friends, you know, I don't know if I'm going to show it up, but I've got some green. You're not going to see that. Um, there are some green messages, but it doesn't bother me, but apparently it bothers the younger generation. Um, so, man, teenage, teenage problems. Well, so, so, I, you know, Apple, and, it was, it was yeah. interesting. I, Apple said that they're going to do this. Uh, here's this, this, uh, we believe RCS Universal Profile will offer a better interoperability experience when compared to SMS or MMS. This will work alongside iMessage, which will continue to be the best and most secure messaging experience for Apple. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um, the iPhone adopting RCS could enable support for read receipts, typing indica- typing indicators, high res images and videos, and more when sending text between iPhone and Android devices. Um, after I read this, then I saw another story that said, oh, the timing of this was really good because Euro- uh, the European Union was about to, um, there was a deadline that ha- where they had to tell the European Union why iMessage was a, st- was a core technology or something like that. And I think they weren't ready to do it. So they said, oh, I guess we'll just support this other standard. So I think that's the real reason is that Europe was about to come down on them for the interoperability part of it. And Apple is just trying to spin this as, oh, oh, we're adding more features for our, our iMessage people. Um, but, you know, good for them. Like, I think that this whole blue-green thing was kind of dumb anyway. Um, but at least I won't have to read as, as many stories about that anymore. I mean, it, 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 we created a class system based on the color of bubbles <laughs> in, your, in your text messaging feed. I don't know. Yeah, and you're surprised why? Yeah, I'm not. Oh, to be young again, right? So I'm the old man screaming at clouds right now. Oh, to, oh, to be young again and for that to be... The to be able to shun a friend on. because they have the wrong phone. I mean, when, when I was a kid, it was all the sneakers. Whatever, If you weren't wearing Nike sneakers, yeah. you weren't cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, RCS is something that kind of came from the GSMA, right? It's, it's, um, it, it's a good thing that they're doing this because they're supporting standards. Like if you guys think about to... USB-C versus Lightning, right? right? That whole debacle where Apple's like, let's sell cables by inventing our own thing. And I don't think that Apple was being nefarious there, Apple fanboy that I am. I think they were legitimately trying to define the standard. Uh, but things like USB have been around for so long, there's there's no way that you're going to um, up- upset that giant behemoth. And and I think this is a good move for them. And I do think it was the EU that pushed them to this. Yeah. Um, but like our, our industry has been very relaxed on standards for a very long time where it's kind of the wild west, which is the fun part of building software and technology. Sure. You can kind of do whatever you want. Right. If I want to go invent my own purple bubble t- protocol, <laughs> I can do that. Right. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. But I can. And that's kind of the interesting 
sort of dichotomy of our industries. There are lots of people that are pushing for standards and there's other companies that are trying to innovate. And sometimes that's at odds. And I think this is a great example of that. But I am actually happy that Apple's implementing the universal standard. But I also kind of see their take of, well, why didn't you use ours? You know what I mean? Yeah, that whenever a company decides to not follow or agree to a standard, it, it, it does come off from my perspective of, of them being more arrogant than they need yeah. to be. It's like, just accept what everybody else is doing. And, and the benefits of interoperability have been shown in all these other markets. And it's amazing that, that companies will still stand their ground because they think their technology is better than, than their competitors. Um, right. But I guess that'll that'll happen forever, depending on what. But I do like your purple bubble idea, Jeremy. <laughs> I did the next one. <laughs> Samsung was the first um, device manufacturer to support um, RCS, by the way, uh, which kind of makes sense why it's more of a Android type thing, you know, because they're like very huge Android. Right. Um, fans. Right. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna move on to the uh, the another story. The FBI. Uh, there were two stories this week from Reuters. Uh, there was one earlier in the week that basically said that the FBI was struggling to to find the dangerous casino hacking gang Scattered Spider. And after that story came out, they came out with this story. Uh, th- uh, it was yesterday or today. Basically, they're now warning organizations to guard against the Scattered Spider hacking group, which has breached dozens of American organizations over the past years, stealing sensitive, sensitive data for extortion. Um, this new alert follows the Reuters report, which said the agency had struggled to stop these hackers that are known to be skilled at using fake profiles and impersonations to trick victims into giving them access, especially through the help desk. Uh, the statement was joint, uh, jointly issued with the U.S.'s Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, shedding new light into how these hackers operate. So apparently, after even after they've gained access into an organization's systems, the hackers keep checking its internal communication channels such as Slack, Microsoft Teams, and Microsoft Exchange Online for emails or conversations that might show if their breach had been discovered, according to the statement. Um, what was interesting was that in the first report, uh, there was concern from other cybersecurity responders that the FBI knew about this group for about six months, um, that they knew the identities of at least a dozen members tied to the hacking group responsible for this September break-in at MGM Resorts International and Caesars Entertainment. Um, Industry executives told Reuters they were baffled by an apparent lack of arrests, despite many of the hackers being based in the U.S., Uh, A quote from the president of CrowdStrike said, I would love for somebody to explain it to me. Uh, For such a small group, they are absolutely causing havoc. So uh, there's some other there's some other parts of the story. If you're interested in that, go read it. But I think this is my tinfoil hat. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. I think so. If the FBI has known about this for six months, my suspicion is that they that they've got these people and they're just having them work for the FBI. Would that be a stretch to, to, to think that like, we're not going to arrest you for these hacks, but we need you to work for us giving, because the FBI has done this before, haven't they? Yeah, they did it with uh, Frank Abagnale, I believe. Remember? Is the, the guy from Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. No, no. He did at a time. We, and we interviewed him yep. uh, like eight years ago, something like that. And uh, yeah, he, he worked for the FBI for a time. Because the FBI wanted to know how he was getting away with it so easily, right? Uh, copying those checks, but and, um, and and we've been asking about we've we've done a couple of episodes about you know why is it so hard for uh, 
governments and criminal and you know what to to find these criminals like why is it so hard to find scattered spider and the answers i got from a lot of these experts were well they're they're in locations where they don't have jurisdiction you you're thinking that they're in you know iran north korea china they're in all of these other countries where we don't have the ability to go and arrest them to find out that that, that there there are there are members in the u.s and the fbi knows about them and has not arrested them yet they were just using. I mean, doesn't that raise? That raises like three red flags for me. They were just down the road at a Starbucks <laughs> uh, cafe on the Starbucks Wi-Fi, and you know they just masked their IP or something like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, at this point, they could have been carrying a giant sign that says "I'm Scattered Spider," and they still weren't arrested. So I, I'm thinking that that there's a backroom deal or something going on. It's like we know you're doing this. But it's also interesting that as soon as that report came out, the FBI then issued a warning. It's like, oh, these guys are dangerous and we're going to find them. Like, go find them and go arrest them if they're in the U.S. is, my, is, I, is I guess, my, my take. Jerry? Yeah, I, no, the, th- the thing about this one is that all of the attacks were social engineering, right? Yep. Um, which is where you pretend that you know you're a real customer and you call in a help desk. There was another big hack. I forget who it was that was a help desk hack. Was it Cloudflare? I think um, I don't remember precisely. Maybe okay. I'll go find that. But you know, the fact that this was social engineering is almost like I, I don't I don't know about your tenfold hat there because these these folks were using other humans as opposed to being very smart at technology, which they are smart at reverse engineering things, but they were using other people to get what they wanted as a, it's like, you know, as opposed to, as opposed me to coming just, in and doing some stack smashing, I was right. calling your grandma and convincing her to give me your password. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. If you don't believe my tinfoil conspiracy hat again, and I'll admit that I think it's a stretch. Why do you think that there was a delay or is there a delay and that they still haven't made any of these arrests? Lack of evidence? I, that's I mean, hard. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like the FBI sucks. I, <laughs> I mean, granted, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, you know? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I Again, it, it's suspicious that when you see a story come out like this from Reuters, and then two days later, they finally issue a warning and an alert, um, which yeah. is kind of like, oh, oh, you haven't turned in your homework for six months, and now it's like, yeah. oh, oh, I've got it here. Uh, well, you still haven't done anything. Yeah, but but we're working on it. Like it's coming. I don't know. Well, maybe it's bigger, right? Because I, I know sometimes like law enforcement will let the little fish go, like in drug deals. Like they'll let the little guys and gals go because they're really after the big, yeah. like the big Kahuna. Yeah, like, they want who okay. the mastermind is. Right. So it could be that maybe there's somebody behind Scattered Spider that's like five times more complicated and huge and you know, an international hacking group and they're just trying to kind of use them to figure out where the real problem is. But yeah. it is a bit I agree with you. It's a bit fishy. But at this but Why at this point again, just, scattered spider, they made the big announcement of going, We're the guys who did it. Like they raised yeah. their hand. They said, Hey, we've we've got weird here's how we did it. They like the boldness and the arrogance from Scattered Spider was just like we, yeah. we did it. Here's how we did it. Uh you're not gonna catch us. And yet some of them are still in the US. It's like okay. Something's That's weird. Something's up. That doesn't make sense. Maybe next. No. Maybe the next time we do a, a, you know, an episode, you know, when we do our next news roundup with you, maybe maybe they'll have captured them by then. Who knows? Yeah, I I, I love this kind of stuff though. It's fun. It's fun to kind of follow hackers because they're sort of like you know the rebels in my industry <laughs> uh, that are going around and doing you know the the V for Vendetta style stuff. Right. Uh, and right. then there is also like these guys are like legitimately 
harming people through social engineering. So these are like the ones that you're like, yeah, we don't like these people. These aren't, these aren't the guys in the, remember the, all of those nineties hackers, hacker movies where it was the people and they'd be like, click, 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 click. I'm in click, 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 click. And then like swordfish. Swordfish (laughs) was one of my favorite 90s movies. My favorite one was sneakers. I don't, did you, you, that one was good. That was good too. Cause that, that, that showed all a bunch of different hacking type tips and tricks, including social engineering as well uh, Mm -hmm. on some of those things. So, Yes, I can't wait till they actually get some of these guys. And then we're we're all going to find out that it was probably a bunch of 15, 16 year olds kids in uh, the basement. So, um, and I'm hoping none of them is uh, my kid. I'm hoping that would be nice, Uh, Keith. We'll know by next time. Knock, knock, knock. It's the FBI. Uh, We want to see your kids. I was like, who do it? No, not my kids. Anyway. Uh, All right. And now here's the most depressing story of the week. Are you ready for this, Jeremy? No. All right. More Americans are getting their news on TikTok, bucking the trend seen on most other other social media sites. That headline's a little bit. It's more more Americans are getting news on TikTok than they did before. I guess is the. It's not like we're all just going and going there. Uh, a small but growing share of U.S. adults say they regularly get news on TikTok. This is in contrast with many other social media sites where news consumption has either declined or stayed about the same in recent years. In just three years, the share of U.S. adults who say they regularly get news from TikTok has more than quadrupled from three percent in 2020 to now we're at 14 percent in 2023. Um, this has especially become popular among teens, two-thirds of whom report ever using the platform as well as young adults. Uh, among adults 18 to 29, they are the most likely to say they get news on TikTok. About a third of Americans in this age group, 32%, say they regularly get news there, a higher share than the years before. Uh, and then and then the, the numbers go down depending on how old you are because um, you you know are now more intelligent and wiser to the world of TikTok. But... Does this mean that we have to now have a channel on TikTok, Chris? Or I, no. I know you don't want to, but you know, if we're going to no. capture these these young users, we got to get them on TikTok, right? Does this mean I have to start dancing and doing short form videos and then go? The FBI. I mean, if, if that's announced what you, uh, uh, if, it's horrible. If, if that's what you want to do. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. I can't sing. Our I can't dance, and doomed. I can't remix music. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sad, but. I mean, the way things are, it kind of makes sense that it's going up because, you know, younger generations, they want it more, you know, they're, they're going after content that's accessible, short, to the point. You know, it's got to be on your phone. So it's, it's kind of like, <laughs> it is sad, but it, I, I kind of, I, I wouldn't say I saw this coming, but I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. I think you can blame Elon Musk for this, for his purchase and destruction of Twitter. Because, oh, because, because they were going to Twitter before and now you think they're looking yeah. for other news sites? Well, this, I don't know. I can't prove that. Yeah. But but to me, like Twitter was the internet source of vitriol, politicism, and general news, and it was really good about moderating news-based content. Right? You could follow certain news outlets and kind of get again that super quick yeah. attention span, less uh, comment on what's going on. Um, but I mean, getting your news from the same platform that like promoted the use of Nyquil chicken. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know, guys. Yeah. I can't buy that. What's all right? I'm just, yeah. I'm going to show you my age now. What's Nyquil chicken? No, no, no. So, it's, it, oh, is that with cooking, cooking chicken with NyQuil? Yeah. It's like one of those games. You know how they, you know, they, you know, the other ones where, you know, you eat the Tide Pod and stuff. I remember it's the Tide Pod thing. Yep. Stupid games that, you know, 
they do on the TikTok. The Tiki Talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like t- cook your chicken in NyQuil and it's like delicious or something. Uh, like yeah. Delicious. And in reality, if you do that, you will probably uh, die. Yeah. And what's that <laughs> other one? Of- the of the Borg thing? The the gallon of, you know, whatever alcohol you have laying around and you have to oh, chug yeah, yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You have to chug like a, a whole yep. gallon of mixed alcohol. And it's yep. like, oh, what do you... Yep. Are you like, what are you thinking? I was at a college last, I was at a college last year and I saw a bunch of kids walking down the street and they had that plastic jug with the, with purple, whatever it was. Yeah. And, and this girl was completely wasted. And I think that they were taking her to the health center, hopefully. The hospital. Yeah. Or whatever the (laughs) college equivalent of the (laughs) hospital is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and aren't there concerns about TikTok being in China's back pocket? Oh yeah, like, oh, oh yeah, oh constantly. You know, yeah. If I'm putting my tinfoil hat on, it's like there, there. I remember there being a news article a while back where people were cons- the government was like considering suing TikTok or something where it was just producing garbage. Yeah, and uh, the youth of America are basically consuming nonsense that doesn't actually add anything to their to their lives yet in china it's all about educational content and yep. they're like promoting specific things that that you know grow humans uh, in in a society as productive people so it's like uh, that that is yet another strike against the platform i don't TikTok. i've never TikToked, but yeah. it's i don't know maybe again old man screaming at cloud i, I mean jeremy lives. you watch the uh you watch that TikTok hearing right uh, no, I didn't. Which one? Oh. oh, the one where the president of of the U.S. the U.S. version of TikTok or of the China, basically the mm-hmm. the mouthpiece, um, mm-hmm. testified in front of the Senate committee. And, and no, I didn't watch that. Yeah, How and he it? he was he it was, was it, hammered it, by a lot of the it, senators. But but the problem is that nothing happened afterwards. Well, the, yeah. I was just going to say, like that hearing was bad. Yeah, on his part. Yeah, it was it was hard to watch. Because yeah, I know people will say like, yeah, all the uh, politicians in the in the Senate and stuff like that—they're like ancient; they don't understand technology. But the questions they were asking were very simple, and yeah. he really couldn't answer any of them. Or he was dodging and weaving, you know, of course. But it was just really, really, really bad. Oh, and yeah, to your point, like I thought they would have enacted something really quick after right. his performance in that hearing, like something. So, I mean, I'm I mean, sure you, you I, I, know, I know the military, they, they ban TikTok, right? Yep. They, they ban TikTok. Yep. Some, some colleges are some starting colleges to, have done to it. ban it on, on campus and stuff like that. There's but. a lawsuit where the state of Montana has banned it okay. for everybody. But there, again, there are ways around it. If you right, want to use for it. Sure. You know, I mean, until, VPN. until TikTok gets the big headlines again, <laughs> I feel like nothing would really happen. Right. And, and it, you know, it's that pesky first amendment that always gets in the way of, of, you know, can I, you know, cause you just hide behind that. I'm just using the first, I think maybe the, maybe the, the, the federal government is looking to see what happens in the Montana lawsuit, um, to see if it gets to the Supreme court, if the Supreme court rules on whether or not the state can ban something like TikTok, then they, if they say, yes, you can, then you'll start seeing a wave of other companies try to do it, or they'll put more pressure um, I, I, you know, in Europe, they then they did tell the European Union did tell TikTok, you have to allow your customers to enable to change the algorithm so that you don't get this feed of garbage, and you you yeah. can direct it. You know, so in Europe, they're 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 pushing TikTok to not give us the the feed of of Tide Pod challenges. Well, it's the same and, thing in China. I guess their version is much more educational. Right, right. Jeremy and, was bringing that up earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. You know, we get all the harmful stuff in other 
non-content that, that I still think we're going to have to form a news channel. We're going to have to make no, a TikTok channel. I, I'm really, just going to do it. I'm going to do it behind your back, Chris. I'm just going to post some clips. So, so be it. So be it. <laughs> and then we'll get a million views. <laughs> All right. Maybe I have to come up with some dumb drink that I make or no, and then no, read no. the news headlines <laughs> while I'm drinking that drink. All right. Last story. And then, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons has revealed that they are going to do a 24 hour streaming channel. Hasbro announced it's rolling out Dungeons and Dragons Adventure, a new free ad supported television channel that will feature a variety of shows from familiar faces. Uh, distribution has not been announced. Variety is reporting that it is expected to be available on multiple platforms. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff that's D and D related. Now, the reason I just, I, I just picked on D and D to talk more about the bigger issue of these free ad supported streaming television channels. Um, have you watched anything on, uh, channels like Pluto Plex free V the Roku channel, anything like that, Jeremy? Yeah, we have the Roku channel. Yep. I have my own Plex server for a little bit before it got too annoying to keep up. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's a good idea. I mean, free content, right? So, so I'm People watching. Tired of paying twenty bucks for Netflix. Yeah. So I'm watching. I'm watching Pluto a lot now, and I will plug into Freevee, which is owned by Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. I think before it became Freevee, it was another free service, and they re- they rebranded it, renamed it. Um, I, what I've been finding is that I've been cutting my subscriptions. So I don't subscribe to Disney plus anymore. I don't subscribe to Apple TV. And, uh, I think I got rid of Hulu as well. So I'm now down to basically Amazon prime and I'm never going to get rid of that because of their connections with the free shipping and all that. Uh, and then I, and then Netflix, because I think I'm still getting Netflix free for my T-Mobile subscription. Every time I add a new phone, they give me another free year of, of <laughs> Netflix. And it, eventually when that goes away, I'll have to make a decision if I'm going to pay for, for Netflix. So instead, what I do is I go to Pluto, and it's like you're watching free TV again or, or over the air. Um, they have um, specialty category channels where you can watch you know, the same, some of them are like the same show over and over again. Like there's a Dick Van Dyke show channel where I can just watch episodes of Dick Van Dyke over and over and over again. Um, there's a riff tracks channel. There's a Mr. Science theater channel. There's one for British TV, like midsummer murders. There's, there's a constant 24 hour stream of all of those midsummer murders episodes. So it's like that. But then what's interesting too, is you could watch those lives. And then there's like an eighties movies channel, seventies channel, sixties, et cetera. What's interesting is that you can then go to an on-demand part and almost it's it's almost like you're watching Netflix again where you can then watch stuff on demand. Now, the version of on-demand is you can watch it, but then they're going to be putting in commercials. So you're going back to the world where it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago where you had a cable subscription or you're watching stuff over the air and yep. a sitcom was 22 minutes and then you had eight minutes of commercials. So every show you watched was a half an hour. In the world of streaming where you're binging, you're now watching a show 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and 20 minutes. So you could do three you could do three sitcoms in one hour. And that's why this binging thing was so popular because again, you weren't, you didn't have to sit through these ads. The problem with Pluto uh, is that they're the same five ads over and over again. Uh, And so they haven't built the infrastructure 
for getting new ads into the system as quickly as you could on a um, on a broadcast channel, for example. I, I mean, they've got sales staffs and they've got the ability to get multiple commercials, so you never feel like you're watching the same commercial over and over again. But with Pluto, you you are, and I, I suspect the same thing is with you know these other these other channels as well. But they're saying that's where the industry's going. Um, yeah, which is like again, everything old is new again, and we're gonna we're just gonna either price you out of the no ads, which isn't making the companies any money. They're losing money by, but with that subscription model. And they're going to try to get people to go to a cheaper model where you pay seven bucks a month, but you now have to sit through ads and then they can make their money off of the ads. Yeah. The reason I think this is brilliant is because the price to build a channel is next to nothing, right? Back in the days of, of program cable, like Spike or, you know, I don't know what, channels you watch my dad watched the weather channel all the time right? so, um you know g4 uh, i think just didn't spike become g4 or g4 was I the video game channel g4 or something but yeah. like i grew up i'm a millennial right i grew up with a tv and we watched tv we didn't have the internet so we just yeah. watched you know like pick whatever channel that was local to atlanta wsb whatever yep and um you you had to hire programmers to create programmers in it as in television programmers not like encoding programmers, right that would build out what folks wanted to see right and you had your prime times with like does anybody remember family matters like steve urkel yep you know yep. you had your yep. full house you had like had that prime time block from like seven to ten where they played all the shows that they knew they could get high ratings on in in this world you don't care it's so cheap to stream like it's not like incredibly cheap pennies on the dollar but if you have your content network created properly it's incredibly cheap to create a dick van dyke channel a star trek channel yep. a star wars channel with all of the star wars movies on repeat um, as a matter of fact spike used to do this where it would play all of the star wars from a to z right uh, during uh during the day they, they called it like star wars day i think it was may the 4th and as a matter of fact in which they did this yeah so it's so incredibly cheap to do this from a business model perspective that it, this has to be where we're going i do think it's annoying that you're only going to watch the same four commercials that would drive me nuts um, so I, I hope they figured that out because that was kind of the more interesting challenge of television is you could figure out, you know, what ads would make the most sense and you could sell spots directly to particular, uh, companies that were looking to drive, you know, revenue based on that segment of users that are watching the show and that channel. Yeah. But I think it's just so cheap to do that now that that is the logical step for industry. And I think it makes sense because if I want to watch a Star Trek channel, I'm going to just subscribe to that because I like having it on in the background while I'm working. Right, right. I, the advertisers that are now, maybe it's just because of the shows I'm watching or my age. I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, medication ads for uh, diseases I don't have, but nice. and would never want because they give you the, hey, if you've got type two diabetes, here's this, this, uh, uh, new plaxoid, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then they list all of the side effects and it's like, yeah, side effects might include death. That's, that's <laughs> like, just whatever, that's just whatever that the a, ads that they sell. I suppose that, that's that on CBS buy. now too. Yeah. And it's on all the other cable television yeah. networks as well. Cause those are the only advertisers that want to. I think there's a, um, I think Pluto is owned by CBS because like they do get a lot of Paramount content on the, as the channels. So I think that's one of the, the the reasons is that you start seeing a lot of those types of of ads. But we get a there's a local guy that 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 is spending money on Pluto because he's a local lawyer, 
um because i see his billboards when i'm driving down the highway and he's got an ad now with a former new england patriot guy it's painful to watch and i have to watch it now three or four times when i'm watching one episode of a show from the 90s that i want to (laughs) watch or the price is right channel there's oh there's two prices right channels by the way Jeremy, I know you're interested in this. Why? So they've got one Price is Right channel that shows Bob Barker episodes from the 70s and 80s uh, and maybe early 90s. And now they've added the Drew Carey hosted Price is Right episodes on a separate channel. So you can watch all of those. Bob Barker is the only Price is Right. I'm sorry. I grew up with him. Yeah. I can't. Like, yeah. Drew Carey's a nice guy, I'm sure. But no, I, I would just watch the first one. Right, right. But And it is funny to, well, it's funny and depressing to see how inexpensive cars were. <laughs> oh, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. You know, you, you look at the pricing game and they're like, and this this piece of gum, 29 cents. I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's really depressing now. Yeah, that's a good, if you want depressing, go and watch like a 70s version of The Price is Right, for sure. Well, yeah, even when I was watching the, the Dick Van Dyke show, there were references to how much things were costing. And I was like, well, here's a nickel. And the kid was like, yay, a nickel. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> if I don't come home with anything less than a $20 bill now, my kids will be like, that's not, that's not very exciting. I think, right. I think that this also makes um, ad like paying for ads more accessible to folks like your lawyer friend or that person who I don't know if he's a friend or not, but the lawyer guy. Um, I think that's an interesting take as well. Is you're, you're kind of demon, you're, you're dropping the barrier to entry to get into those ads. Um, so that's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, as well. but I'm also maybe wondering if maybe he's fun. buying ads for those other channels and then they're just yeah. adding that to the the Pluto stuff as well. Um, yeah, just to sure. fill out the inventory or whatever they're doing. Um, but it is, I think that is the way that, that a lot of uh, these, these big companies will move so that they can make money. Like I know Disney is like Disney plus, for example, they're adding that ad supported layer. Um, I, I, I will be interested to see what those ads might look like um, to see if they're going to be the cheesy local ones, or are they going to be, you know, higher class brand of advertising? Who yeah. knows? Uh, all right, Jeremy, I, I'm running out of time. So uh, thanks again for being the guest co-host this week. And uh, we oh, are taking fine. next week off for Thanksgiving. So you don't get to see me for another two weeks. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining the show. And that's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel. Tell us what you liked below in the comments. Be sure to join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.